Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Dewing Grain are independent and local grade traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, they can offer you the best strategies to achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Each week on our podcast, we begin with the Dewing Grain Market Report, giving you up-to-date information and analysis, followed by Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues with a guest or two while sampling a beer. Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and this week's Market Report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows are my thoughts or gut instincts on what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Hello everybody, I'm back. Week commencing 25th of July 2022. So yeah, the old sleep-inducing voice is back apparently. I, I was talking to someone at a funeral, funnily enough, and uh, he said, Oh, I recognise your voice. I put your podcast on when I go to bed. I went, right. I said, the missus like listening to it, does she? He went, no. Why would you say that? He said, yeah, sends me to sleep. <laughs> and he's not the first person. I've, yeah, anyway, so I am obviously that boring. So the market this morning dropped 22 euros in about 10 minutes, which was quite exciting. And this year, not totally exciting because we've seen bigger things happen. But certainly it was a very dramatic a start to the day, it appears that Mr Putin is doing the equivalent of a, uh, a sidestep and a dummy and he's coming out with a, yeah, I'll, I'll do that, of course I will. And uh, everyone's believing every word and they're going to sign a deal which lets a few boats out of the Ukraine. And in return he'll get a few sanction-busting little backhanders and a bit of street cred in Russia for getting some cherries for free or something. But point is, it's not going to last because it's not in his interest for it to last because fundamentally Russia gained from a higher wheat price. It causes havoc in the Western world with food prices going through the roof and that's right up his street. So, you know, breathe in while it's happening. I actually think the market is due to come down anyway, not for that. I, th- I think we're going to lose a bit of politics influence for a minute because I think that we're seeing the first wheat crops coming off and we're pleased with them. I think they're bigger than we thought they were going to be. The quality is exceptional. The proteins are a little bit low, not as high as some would like, but certainly the kilo weights are right up there, 79, 80, 81. And that makes a massive difference. You know, the difference between 72 kg per hectolitre and 81 isn't just 9%. It is about 12 or 13, 14%. So the yield is better than people are anticipating. And I think that This being a Friday, historically, harvest pressure is something that is always a fantasy that merchants used to have. It never really happened, because if the price went down too much, farmers held off, and then the market comes back up again. So there's no downward pressure particularly for most of the time. I just think that the size of the crop, the need for cash, and the fact that we've got today's harvesting and Saturdays and Sundays, if farmers choose to go combining, because they can pick and choose whether they do or they don't, because the weather forecast is basically dry, which is a bit bizarre. So I think they will combine over this weekend with cooler temperatures, dry grain, maybe not quite as low as 10% or whatever the weeks were coming in the first ones, but it will be well under 14, well under 15% which will give us a Monday morning where all you you know, young traders who don't, don't actually look at the grain, who spend your time windsurfing at the weekends and coming in on Monday morning and wondering why the phones are ringing, it's going to be very, very busy and there's going to be lots and lots of people who need to do something quickly. People don't plan for these moments. Certainly, I've never planned for a sort of 12, 15, 16-week harvest period to be concertinaed into five, but bluntly, we're going to be done and dusted by the middle of August at the very latest. 
And that particular issue means that, all right, we've steamed into winter barley movement, we're pretty well through our winter barley movement, and we're now well into the, the, the rape crop is now moving, but it's wheat that's starting and spring barley. And I think that, obviously, there's going to be a whole load of people expecting you to drop everything and put a lorry in. Cheap contracts, got to move them. And the impossible reality is intake points can't take every single commodity cut. In effect, the wheat is being cut three weeks early. Well, that just you can't plan for that. We've still got old crop wheat moving out. So, yeah, there's some logistical troubles and there should be some yield issues. The only thing that could stop a real collapse in terms of logistics issues is the dryness of the corn and the fact that people will shove it into sheds or somewhere else. We discussed that. Ben Webby and I have a discussion about the general market synopsis. So let's go through some values and then you can listen to us running on about it after this. Okay, oilseed rape has cacked out in recent weeks. Now, Ben came up and said, do you, do you want the story behind it? And I thought, yeah. Then I got bored halfway through, something about the Rhine being low and people selling futures. In reality, oilseed rape's got down to 505 harvest movement. We think post-harvest it will bounce. So that's up to you. I'm happy to sell it send some cash but it's come down a hell of a long way and it looks weak on the futures in Matif and that is the sort of benchmark of the market so it isn't going to rally in a hurry but underlyingly it's going to be over by the shouting the biggest problem as you all know this year has been cutting it under six percent moisture and how the hell do you get that moisture into the correct zone or more importantly can you get a bigger yield by somehow introducing safely some moisture to the crop Cutting at 3am didn't make any difference in the last seven days, whereas maybe the next few days there might be some moisture in the air, who knows. Moving on to feed barley, spot movement, immediate, got to go now, failed malting barley that doesn't get in. 210x is about the value, it is an ambulance case. But if you bear in mind that if you were selling it X farm with no restriction on when you're moving it, you'd probably make £15 a tonne more at least there or thereabouts. So 225 September, it doesn't take a genius to say it would be a good thing to own storage to get that little bit of difference. Malting barley, well, that's a, that really is a laugh, isn't it? I mean, that, that price can range anywhere from 280 to 300 depending on who's bidding it and what they're promising. The reality of an immediate, very, very quick movement means it's going to go into a store, which costs 10 quid to haul it in, 20 quid to store it, and then 15 quid to move it out again when it, the haul is on the way out. So in other words, there's an enormous amount of money that needs to be paid for the privilege of doing that. And it's a risk for whoever the storekeeper is. Again, we touch on that in the chat afterwards, but with temperatures above the recommended level for, for grain in a dryer, I am nervous about the potential of, of damage to germination, and I'm blindly optimistic that that hasn't been the case. Either way, immediate spot movement for malting barley is if you really do need to move it there and then you probably low end of the scale 280 if you've got a three four five weeks worth of grace probably 300 x ish you could get up to that and in the autumn you're probably looking at i don't know 320 something like that it's all over the place in terms of price and yeah i think we're at the low of that market it depends what happens next, and I also think the north of England and Scotland are going to have a phenomenally big spring barley crop. Obviously, it's not in the barn yet, but I do think that's a potential which could undermine prices. We've seen a few spring barleys, they're okay. Everything isn't low nitrogen. Some of the, the light lands are coming in high. Uh, that's not a shock because the weather was wrong in terms of uptake of the nitrogen for the plant. So there could be a bit of an issue for our top quality distilling barleys. We've got a number of barleys coming in at 1.3s and 1.4s, so we're quite happy and confident, but it is a worry 
to see 1.7 to 1.9 to 2% springs, which we've just seen. So that could be another reason for a buoyant price. So moving on finally to wheat, the yields are good, as I've said. The price, in our opinion, obviously with the market dropping 20 euros and recovering 10. At point of recording, the futures on November are 265. The ex-farm price for November movement is 250. If you wanted to move stuff into one of our stores, you would get 245 delivered. If you wanted to sell at ex-farm, you would probably get about 235x. I see in the immediate short term the market coming down. I think, as I say, pressure on Monday morning, and I think the reality of the size of the crop and the lack of trade in recent weeks has been nobody selling in the last few weeks because people feel the price is too low and a number of you need to sell it. So I think there will be that in our faces and the market coming off in the short term. Once the futures are trading, or if the futures trade sub 250, I don't think they'll be down there very long. I might be wrong, there's a lot of political issues to come in, and maybe the weather is suddenly going to stop being a cooked planet. But I suspect that if it gets much lower than 250 in our futures, you're getting down to the low end of the market. And I'm, I personally, long term, with the politics, with the reality of the Ukraine's planting for next year and the harvesting and storage of this year and the global heat issues and the corn crop that is being decimated i think the market's going to rally post harvest i don't know exactly when it starts i'd love to know that moment because i could trade without getting my hands dirty and make lots of money but i believe we will be phoning our farmers regarding cash settlements at some point during this autumn saying right let's buy those in it's going to go up so with that happy thought, drive your combine slowly, clean it out, make sure you look after it because there's no spare parts and you can't afford to set fire to the fields. And yeah, let's just hope you safely get through the next two weeks and then book a holiday. I mean, you know, you can't plant rapes, it's too dry. So yeah, the wife's going to be really happy. With that, have a good week. Thank you for listening. Please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours. The Aylsham Show is back, Bank Holiday Monday the 29th of August. The central theme to this year's show is highlighting Norfolk's importance as a primary food producer. Visitors will find something that caters to all tastes, from animal exhibitions and competitions to main ring displays, classic cars and agricultural vehicles, plus an extensive food and cookery zone, all in the beautiful surrounding of Blickling Park. The Aylsham Show, Bank Holiday Monday, 29th of August, we look forward to seeing you there. Right, everybody, I'm back. I listened to the podcast the last couple of weeks, and I will say this about myself. I can sit on a train travelling at 300 kilometres an hour, look out the window and say, oh boy, the French crop's burning up, and the corn and everything's suffering dramatically. I'd better phone the boys in the office. And what do they do? They take the mickey out of me on the podcast. And then four days later, the BBC comes along with, a, with an article saying, Oh, look, northern France is drying up and the corn crop's going to be severely damaged by it. Yeah, I was that soldier and I felt very hurt. Anyway, Ben, hello. Welcome back, Andrew. <laughs> We've really missed you. Someone has really missed you. Here he is. Hello, Ian. Josh isn't here. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so humble pie, I was right. Do you think the BBC were listening to the podcast? Is that where they got their info from? I don't know. Yeah, I think lazy journalism is going on at the moment. We've just managed to watch that clip of Liz Truss's speech about Chinese tea and Opening apples. up China for products. Yeah, Yorkshire tea. Clap, 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 clap. Uh, oh. Do you think all the people clapping are the people who are going to vote her in? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Liz Truss, Prime Minister, everybody. Is that a possibility? Yeah. 
Sadly, it is. is did, was it all tactical voting? I've missed most of this stuff. Was it all tactical voting where Rishi's mates went, OK, do you know what? What we're going to do, get rid of that Carrie girl. She's a bit too intelligent for us, and she's a bit fresh, and she hasn't got any anything sort of staining her career. Mm. Like the sound of her, better vote against her. Let's, put Liz, let's vote for Liz. So, in other words, the army guy, Tugan Tugendhat. They got rid of my squeeze, didn't they? Yeah. Penny Morden. Well, again, you know, she tactically buggered off from politics for a while to, to make this run, didn't she? Mm. PM for PM, you know. BSH was here on a tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> it was all tactical, yeah. Rishi's lot worked out that they could <clears throat> beat... Well, they probably thought they had more of a chance beating Trust than Morden, but... Well, now we've got the people who are actually going to choose the Prime Minister between Rishi and Liz. Yeah. Conservative Party members, average age of the people voting, 72, predominantly white male. She's in, isn't she? All she needs to do is go, oh, I think my suspend belt has slipped and I need to just do that up. And they'll go, oh, Liz, all right then. That'll be it, she'll be in. I know how these old boys think. (laughs) (laughs) Not your thing, that sort of talk. She's not on my hit list. No. No. Not even with her parents. No. (laughs) Right, so point is, that's quite frightening. And yeah, I had two weeks off and Harvest got halfway through by the time I got home again, which is quite a new experience. And you guys have done all right, I suppose. Not too bad. Yeah. Made a bit of a hang, fuss. Hang on. It's a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's most things are in the right bins and so on. <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't pay up. Yeah, no. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, what is paying up nowadays? One day you paid well, up, and the yeah. next minute you're 17 quid wrong. It's just do anything. In the time I was away, it went up 30 pounds and down 30 pounds, and it's gone up halfway. When it was up, it was up. When it was down, it was down. Now it's only halfway up. But we're now, today, in Norfolk, there has been winter barley being harvested, spring barley being harvested, wheat being harvested, oilseed rate being harvested, beans being harvested, I'm told. And rye. Six commodities. I've got people beginning to not really hassle on wheat, but chase a bit on getting wheat moved. Three weeks early. Should I turn around and adopt the, how dare you cut it three weeks early? You normally cut it on the 10th of August. You're cutting it on the 21st. Yeah, I don't know quite what to do about this because there, there is, we've still got old crop wheat in our stores, in the future stores being cleared. And obviously, 99 years out of 100, we rely upon that wheat to keep the mills going in July. And if you haven't emptied the bin because that is traditionally what you've never done and everybody cuts it early, are we allowed to get stroppied with people and say, no? There is a bit of jumping the gun, though, isn't there? I mean, there's been some 16, 17% moisture cut today, which I'd personally... Yeah, they stopped, though, to be fair. Yeah, well, it'll go nicely with the 10.2 that was delivered yesterday. So. <laughs> and we're looking for something to get the moistures up. And obviously there is talk of, you know, introducing moisture to the stuff as we deliver it out. I mean, we've never done that. We've blended stuff and worked our way through it, blown stuff in a more humid period to try to gain weight. But there's nothing wrong in doing it scientifically. There is machines out there, a, sc- a moisturising screw auger thing that you can put it through, keep the grain for two days and it comes out at the right moisture. So, that, you know... If it all came in at 12% moisture, there is 3% worth of weight gain on a 20,000 tonne store. I'm not sure a hose pipe and grain store is that effective, though. No, but, you know, a a proper piece of... No, no, yeah, sorry. We're looking at it, we're thinking about it, but, I mean, to me, that's... Yeah, it's a full mister, you know. Depends what happens next, doesn't it? If something, you know, if the rest of harvest comes in bone dry, I think the implications for the UK 
are actually quite positive. It means we can compete into North Africa without having to go through the process of drying the stuff in the first place, which could open up some doors. And if, if that's the case, we're competing directly with the French, who are trading at a premium to us, and that should mean prices go up. So it would let's just keep our literally powder dry until we see whether there's a benefit in having a committed 12% moisture. Yeah, thing. Yeah. I've got to say, there's a whole host of things occurred in the last few days that we've spent the last two years saying unprecedented all the time about COVID and all of the other things. But the weather has touched 40 degrees all over our county and all over the country, largely most of the country, and that's never happened before. Anyone who dries malting barley knows you have to keep the temperature to 35. So has you know the weather taken the stuff five degrees above where it should do? And if someone's cut it sitting in the barn without air going through it, is it still 39, 40 degrees? Is the germination getting ruined by that? We're concerned. There's been some of the sample results from independent labs have come back with a low reading. I've heard we haven't actually sent them off. We've done our own sort of checks and we're doing fours and eights and putting water on some samples to see whether they're growing. They seem to be reacting well, but this is completely new territory. I think also the important bit is that we didn't really get the rain, so hopefully the crop that's in the field, spring barley's, I mean, probably the last thing they need, isn't it? Yeah, I'm talking about the temperature, though. No, 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 I, I get that, it. sorry. Cooking yeah. it, yeah. it says on the garden, don't go above 35 degrees, and it would have spent at least 10 hours in that condition, because you couldn't blow it, because the temperature was still 38, 39, even going into the evening. And, yeah, I mean, after work, whichever day that was, I drove home at, you know, Tess is still in Italy, so she, she, I came home on Saturday night, and the heat wave that came, going in the North Sea, which is normally a bit of a tense experience and a bit of a, will my heart stop in the middle of this? And it's like a bath. It's really warm. I, I, I drove up to Val Road, just walked in the sea like Reginald Perrins, couldn't strip off because too many people on the beach, 8.30 at night, had a swim. Right. Well, it was nice, but it's yeah. like I never, ever, ever would have thought of doing that historically. Yeah. Because I'm too wimpy and it had been too cold. So what else has happened? What have I missed? Can we talk about four farmers and two ag merging? Is that... Yeah, it's pretty... It's pretty major. That is pretty major. You know, that is a big... Will they close a mill? Are they all saying no at the moment, aren't they? I think Stoke Ferry might close. Houses. That's yeah. The, that's the speculation, isn't it? Yeah. Doing property is going to build 500 houses there. <laughs> but it doesn't have to go through the monopolies and mergers, I think. Does doesn't it? it? Yeah. I don't know what their share of the market I, I, is. I see it as a really positive thing. You know, it looks a stronger business to sell the grain to. And if they do reduce the number of mills in East Anglia, that kind of strengthens a storekeeper's position. That's a bit selfish of me, isn't it? But yeah, I think so. Yeah. That's my immediate thought, but we, I mean, if it doesn't go through, it'll be a bit of a mess, I think. I could imagine it will, it makes sense to me. I should think it will go through, there's enough other feed mills out there, dilute them so they, they shouldn't have that bigger share. But no, that was the pretty major piece of news, you know. Two big feed compounders, and it's essentially a joint venture, so, you know, watch this space really on that one. Molten barley prices have come off a lot. The instant harvest movement thing, the prices have mm. really had a bit of a smack, haven't they? I guess the fact that the bulk of the winter barley came in with incredibly good spec and there can't have been many loads that were downgraded or not accepted into the bulk. No, and it was incredibly uniform. i tell you what, the only thing, we've, we've got a percentage of segregated bin or two with wheat admix. Webby's been working on that one. Yeah, I think it's all the uh, mintil issues flaring up. Is it? I mean, people have moved away from the plough, haven't they? Is it that, and they did, it didn't cheat, or was it... Yeah, it didn't, didn't cheat. I think the conditions turned good, didn't they, quite early for drilling wheat. People went... Cut. For drilling barley, sorry. 
course. And yeah, didn't cheat, didn't get the glyphosate onto it, and yeah. So we can possibly blame the stormtrooper agronomist then. But it is, yeah, that is the min, the issue with Mintil, isn't it? Because they own, they own most of the agronomists now. You know that, don't you? So you can't blame them at all. Say the stormtrooper. Yeah. So you, oh, I can see your reference oh, well, now. Yeah. yeah. Well done, trigger. Well, so there's that. That may be some more that for the future. If you're looking at a high malting barley premium and you come in with a four or five percent wheat ad mixture, you're screwed. Two percent's bad enough. You can't. You actually can't seriously tolerate that amount of ad mix, even though technically you can have that. It's too much. The plough is now considered very old-fashioned, I accept, but it works, doesn't it? Well, if you're trying to achieve a certain purity variety, yes. If the mintil thing isn't going to work, which means you then have to spray it very thoroughly, otherwise, which is not particularly in the ethos of where we're all trying to head. And in the future, with more pressure on chemicals, yeah, is it the right way to go? I came up with a theory about new crop wheat, and I said, you know, the future's on 2023 at, at 230, which it got down to, comes out really round about £200 a tonne X farm per harvest, yeah. which is cost of production. Yeah. with the assumed costs of today. And off I went on a little journey of how this was terrible and, you know, it, I can't see farmers growing it. But you end up with a situation where actually they will grow it because what else do you do? Yeah. That's been known where people plant stuff where they think they're going to make a loss when they start off and there's a kind of blind hope and off they go. But it's much closer to the line now and people are more inclined to look at, you know, what's efficient and what isn't. It yeah. certainly means they won't plant every inch, doesn't it? They'll plant yeah. just the, the viable acres, which reduces production by definition. Yeah. But he said, I'm now thinking about buying my agrochemicals in early because the water on the Rhine is so dangerously low. Lots of the manufacturers of, of chemicals are in Germany. You can't get the chemicals. Wow. I, I've okay. got no idea whether that's true or not. We don't have a chemical division, do we? No, I mean, yeah, BASF for a big German one, aren't they? But, I mean, you, you could truck those. I can't think... Well... Yeah, you could, but it's a bit more money, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But that's not a, ba- uh, not a bad share. Which, but a bit more money means even more money to cost of production. Will fertiliser step there? I heard a load of theories about the Russians having too much. They've got to use their gas for something, you know, and all that stuff. So maybe there'll be lots of cheap fertiliser. I can't see them letting the West off the hook. No, no but they might, because I think fertiliser prices in the States have come down pretty hard. Mm. And I think certainly Brazil at one point had way too much fertiliser than it needed. So God knows, I mean, I imagine they've been flogging that back into the States or whatever. So fertiliser's not a clear-cut upward trend, I would say. I know what you're saying about Putin, you know. Well, it's looking at the, the costs that everyone relates to immediately, there are things like you can't get combines, you can't get parts, you can't rely upon mm. backup. You've got to hope that your combine keeps rolling. The cost of machinery, cost of everything's gone through the roof. So the cost of production isn't necessarily stuck at 200 it's still on upward Mm. trajectory and that i think is with the futures at 2023 at 230 yeah it's i think that's quite tight i I can't see much downside to it from a sentiment perspective it's like "Mm, i'm not going to sell it that yeah there's bits of bullish news coming through certainly i keep reading about argentina they you know their wheat crop's going to be two three million tons down the biggest thing is you know back to my you know keen eye at 300 kilometers an hour oh yeah the french corn crop is going to be and and the northern italy i went into northern italy after i went to trieste and venice and driving along we were still here webby yeah because you were there and and i was sitting in this in this taxi riding from trieste around the corner looking at there were some rivers coming off the dolomites that slowed some water and they were they were irrigating crazily as much as they possibly could the stuff is still not as tall i'm a hobbit and it's no taller than me 
you know, and the stuff that doesn't get the water is just like completely shagged. And that's going to have an impact. And, and they can't irrigate everything. No. Yeah, and yeah. so if you take the whole of, you know, and up through Romania, that area, there is problems with production without any doubt. It's a well-known fact. So the size of the European crop, I think they've just recently written down a couple of million tons. Mm. I'm saying to you, I think it's a much bigger write-down than that. Next time it'll be another two million. Time after that, another two million. So you, you can look at six, seven, eight million off the corn crop, and we will be importing corn into Europe, which fundamentally is bullish. Yes, yes, it is. Yeah, because transporting that corn is going to be expensive, no matter what you do, because shipping is still expensive. Which then leads on to so here we are getting crazy bullish. And then the other thing that's happened in the time I've been away is a number of pig producers have finally waved the white flag and gone, I can't take this anymore. Supermarkets are paying a price that makes them lose £25 a pig. Mm. Firms are losing hundreds of thousands of pounds a week. And the bigger firms, and there are big firms now doing that, so the smaller guys have gone, and the smaller ones are like, just can't take it any longer. So it's going to become a compacted industry, so maybe they can have a stronger you know, negotiating arm with the, with the supermarket. But the government policy of, you know, we want cheap food, come on, boys, mm. look after us, we'll let you have building permission where you like, whatever the deal is done that makes them love each other, is going to completely undermine the dynamic of cheap food even more. Because if you lose all the producers or the number of oversupply, if you like, so people can w- work one against the other, you're going to end up with... Much, much firmer pig prices, much, much firmer price of meat, which brings us all the way neatly back to Liz Truss, doesn't it? And her wonderful trade policies. Yeah. And her her speech about everyone eating a British apple (coughs) and how, you know, we're going to encourage... And then, I can't believe a journalist hasn't asked this, didn't you do a deal with Australia where they can use any old pesticide and we can't, and yet they can sell the product over here and that undermines our quality spec that you promised... I promise that it will not in any way undermine the quality of UK... Well, hang on, Andrew. Also, when you say eating a British apple, that's if it gets picked because they haven't got enough labour. Yeah, and and all the tea that's grown in Yorkshire. No, she's... I mean, she is outstandingly stupid. I'm sorry, Liz. You've done very well. You've punched above your weight. But I'm really hoping that you're not Prime Minister. You know, Rishi... Well, I've got Sobson's choice and a lot of old people are going to... Even old, by my standards, are going to pick... Who our Prime Minister is. Yeah. No. Sexy Truss. Anyway, oh, I can't see it at all. You know, Rishi's got it, Rishi's got it in the yeah. bag, I think. He has. Not with the grassroots Tory members who are going to be voting. Are I'm they afraid. racist, do you think? Huh? Are they racist? I did say that. Well. Are they? Quite possibly. Yeah. I don't understand the dynamic of how we can be in this position. Anyway, they're all on holiday now for a long time, thank God. Yeah, and, and Boris is still PM until the 5th of September, I understand. Yeah, yeah. And he was in the in the Commons telling us how well he'd done the other day, wasn't he? And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> which oh, is, yeah, you know, I, I'm not um, talking about Boris yet. No, yeah, let's move on. I mean, the other thing that's been very troubling, which I think we should touch on, is the amount of fires that farmers have been experiencing, and within that, the fact that it's been the idiot public have just been... Having a bonfire. Having a bonfire in 38-degree heat. And then, like, going, oh, field's on fire. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> One of our customers in uh, south of Norwich lost 10 acres a week only, where the guy had the bonfire, and this uh, this is uh, the assumption of the world, that his bonfire was the thing that started. Burnt all the hedge between the field and all of the houses in a row. Took out all of, all of the sheds, which isn't too bad. Yeah. Uh, but it took out two houses as well. Well, we don't know. Um, no, well, I got yeah. He you know, field of stubble. The guy, I think, 
had a fire in a woodland. Stubble went up and he lost quarter of the field of all seed rape. Yeah. But, and then this guy's going, well, I don't think that was my fault. It's like, Whoa. No one else lit the fire. Yeah, well, there's, there's been one... Someone was cutting some grass around the outside of a field, allegedly, and that kicked off a, a fire. Didn't hit any crop, though, because it was where stuff had been cut. But it's still, you know, it's a very good black grass control. <laughs> yeah. Like the old days. That heat event, the dynamic of we're going to be facing that in the future is the most daunting thought. I mean, I, I don't think it's alarmist anymore to say that if anyone saw the BBC News last night, there was an app, and they've got a climate editor now, and, and they had a map of, of the heat wave in 76. There's a little sort of round bubble around France and the UK, and there's a little bubble over in America that was red, and there was a bit in, in the Far East. But largely the, the map was kind of blues and greens and pretty cool, if you like, by, by standards. And then they compared it to 2022. And pretty well the whole of the globe is like red. And it was the, based on a temperature setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, even Antarctica... And if anyone is still in denial about it being cyclical climate, then, you know, congratulations for your ostrich skills. But without any doubt, you can't believe with a 40-degree heat all over the UK... It's natural. Yeah. Or maybe, I don't know. And I can't see a reverse out of it. So in the time we've got left to trade, in the next few years, he said morbidly... It isn't going to be a great production, is it? This is my point. If we look at we, our job is to predict prices. Our job is to tell people to do things rationally on the basis of would you sell 2023 on the basis of oilseed rape getting planted in July? That ain't going to happen. Is it going to get planted in August? No, it isn't going to get planted in August. So will people plant oilseed rape? So who the hell's going to sell oilseed rape when the acreage is definitely going to be down? Right? Mm. It, when is the next rain forecast? Well, I can't see anything for the next two and a half weeks. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, three weeks is what I've seen on some websites. So a biblical thunderstorm with four inches of rain in two hours isn't going to make the ground soft. It's simply going to wash everything off the top, isn't it? It's going to take a, a serious amount of rain to gradually get itself into the ground. So if you do plant something, it can then get going. This is the concrete that we're dealing with now. And I'm, any consumer who'll give me grief about this, you have to be friendly to 2023. Can we just all round whip the whole market up into a frenzy now? <laughs> I don't know. Are you, are you all in a frenzy out there? I think there's some frenzied harvesting where everyone's cutting everything in a four-week span and wondering why there aren't any lorries. <laughs> Let alone take places that can take it all in a week. Yeah, there's a, there's a bit of delusion, if not frenzy. That is something that we haven't actually talked about, but there is quite a lot of pressure on shifting grain now. Or finding a place for it to go. That is, think? That is, that's the serious pressure, isn't it? Yeah, I've got a guy who phones up with one load of feed barley that's in his way. He's like, okay, mm. good. <laughs> Can I wait till Tuesday? <laughs> no! no. Okay. okay, 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 okay. We'll um, tip it on the road then. People will be in a frenzy. Right now it's we're okay, aren't we? But I'm pretty certain everyone's got it all stacked up and it, the weather isn't going to break, so it, the pressure isn't on. But we've had farmers telling us that the wheat is so... Brittle, fit, yeah. That it's they're worried about it shelling out, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. No, we've had a lot of that, and yeah, people are just wanting to whack it. And so when twelve is going to finish? Two weeks, three weeks. I think mid-August. I mean, you got broad. We got broadland and the coast, haven't we? So the coast, which has that you know lower temperature and the, and a bit more yeah, moisture yeah. to it. So we've got the fine-skinned barley's of East Norfolk. Yeah. You know, which everyone waxes lyrical about, but yeah, we've got that broadland area to come. But otherwise, yeah, it's going to be over by mid-August for sure. 
Now, we were talking about possibly having the, the doing grain harvest due at, at Cromer Carnival this year, weren't we? That'd be awesome. Well, that'd be fun. unheard of. If global warming's done something for us, <laughs> <laughs> we could have a hard do at the Cromer Carnival. Isn't it fancy <clears throat> dress, Cromer Carnival? You'll be right then, won't you? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Anyway... Yeah, so well, so the other things I wanted to get off my chest on it was no, largely it's. I'm kind of. I'm glad I missed a couple of weeks. I'm glad everybody else had to do all of the like, what we should binge we put it in and is that any good? It does feel strange coming in halfway through, and it does feel incredibly strange with it being so far forward. Nobody's experienced this. I must admit, day one when you came in, you did look a bit shell shocked. I'll confess this. I came. I got home at sort of half two in the morning. I was in here in the on the Sunday. Yeah. Because I, I wanted to see the boys, and they weren't there. I was like, what the hell's going on? So this is I, after watching everyone on the cameras while you're away. Yeah, yeah. But I, I need to, actually, I need to clean one of them up. <laughs> I like picking up that lad and not having his high vis on at 7.30 in the morning. That was quite good. <laughs> but no, the, Sado, I actually came and I, and I I got the key to the granary because I know it is, and I went in there and I climbed up and looked in all the intake bins and did my own recce of what was on site. And they were pretty up-to-date, but they weren't completely up-to-date. And I always like Monday morning at Aylsham to be completely empty holding bins. And then no matter what anybody brings out, you, you can go, bring it on, like Morpheus in... Matrix. Uh, Matrix, yeah, you know, give them the old bring it on. Yeah. Because we can take it. Whatever you throw at us, we can take it. Just And they had some bins with stuff in so I was like... Rrr. And uh, I was looking at this board, it wasn't up to date and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, they, uh, I sat around and I went through, through the long short and I looked at everything, got myself up to speed, got myself into a frenzy, phoned Josh and says, where's everybody got to? Well, they're coming in. I said, oh, yeah, I'm sure they are. And he said, no, they are, seriously. Anyway, I go outside and there they are. They, the lads have turned out, been heavily out on the beer the night before and not looking very fresh. But credit to them, they knew what they had to do. There wasn't that much to do because there's been not really much <coughs> drying. Mm. And they were just moving stuff across, you know, aspirating where they had to. And, yeah, we were just completely up to date. And we had 7,000 tonnes of malting barley on site already, which is pretty well all yeah. the winter barley done and dusted. Yeah, that no, was good. And same at Cantley. Same, you know, it, it's cracking on with it has meant that now we're into these other things. We are actually moving crops as they get cut at the moment. We can provide the intake place. What we can't necessarily find is a lorry. That's the problem, isn't 100%, it? 100%, yeah. And even now, I think, you know, a couple of our hauliers have seen, you know, drivers leave in the middle of harvest. Have they? Yeah. Why have you done that? Why have they left? Don't know. Fed up with it? Yeah, don't know. Some of them have just gone, no, that's it, I'm done. What's grumpy farmers or grumpy intake points? Yeah. We've got a whole load of open field lorry drivers going down to our store at Cantley now that Simpsons have bought some space over there. They're intrigued by the completely different attitude to intake because we always encourage our guys to get people in, be nice to them, and get it round, get it on the pit, get it away as quick as possible, appreciating the dynamic of how they make money. And then being open, you know, much longer hours also. Oh, so what time do you shut then? Well, six stroke seven, depending on what, what sort of day we're having. Mm-hmm. I can get another load in then. Yeah, of course you can. You can get another two in if you pull your finger out. And, and not unless you're coming from Somerset, I'll add. But the, but the, the <laughs> dynamic of that is that's why we're able to fill our stores quickly and i think uh, if i could give a hint to anyone in this in this modern world of, of a really good way of saving money for your sites in the future and this is detrimental to my own business is extend your working hours on intake 
make it a longer period and make it more slick or able to get you'll get more hauliers able to do more loads the ones that are actually still driving they've got capacity to do it and if it's local grain that works if it, you know that's where you're going to encourage local grain to come in and i think that as a model all intake points and some of the flour mills as we there are some ones we went to are particularly awful not our favorite one david but some of them are awful at in attitude to drivers and tipping and when I say you can make sort of thing. It was also a bit noticeable that actually the holiday you mentioned did hit us pretty hard on the Saturday as well. Absolutely, they, 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 they're four loads on the Friday and 25 on the Saturday because yeah. nowhere else is open. So intake points at harvest time, people who are buying grain from farm or trying to take it, why aren't you open on a Saturday? Yeah. Why don't you have that an attitude that goes, okay, yeah, we'll absorb that over a longer period of time. It makes the, the week ahead easier as well, rather than all cranging in first thing on Monday morning, and um, yeah, which it does anyway. Regardless. Well, and, and the famous five to four rejection at a flour mill, well, you can tip it in the morning, we can't tip it tonight, but we can in the morning. If you can. That would make an enormous amount of difference sometimes, yeah. wouldn't it? But hey, what do I know? He's got the rant in, Ian. <laughs> now there's loads more to come. <clears throat> anyway, so, yeah, I'm glad I'm back. I'm glad I've put you all in your places right back in charge. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Ian kept your seat warm, obviously. And there's a photo of Webby seeing in my seat, which is like... Very comfy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we, we struggle to get Ian out of your office, well, that's, Andrew. That's why I have my afternoon nap, isn't it? <laughs> So you have to, when you get to my age, you have to have a little like little snooze for about three or four hours. As I see it, harvest is going to be very intense, very short. We haven't got any beers tonight to drink because you've drunk them all. Hang on a minute. For the last two Saturdays, I brought my own beers in. Right. I'm sorry, I didn't bring them. I thought you were going to bring them. So, oh, no, no. You brought everybody else a beer is what you're saying. <laughs> oh, dear. Soon be pay review time. <laughs> no beer for you, Andrew. <laughs> It is going to be all over in three or four weeks' time. Mm. And picking the bones out of that, I think if it stays as dry as this, then farmers will shove every single possible commodity they can in whatever possible shed they can, be it ACCS registered or not, and they'll all pretend it was, yeah. And because it's the inevitable thing. All I would say, if that is the case, is beware the storm when it comes. So the number of years I've had where people have shoved it into sheds they shouldn't put grain in, thinking, I'll move that later and make more money. Make sure you sell it while you can, while you can make a bit more money, because when the storm comes and you have two feet of water flowing through the bottom of the shed, it costs you a lot more money than, uh, than just you know, getting shot of it. And I predict that will happen this year to a number of farmers, just like it always does. Yeah. Anyway, with that, I'm back. And uh, hopefully next week the price will be £30 higher. Or £30 lower. Well, we want it up for our farmers, don't we? We do. Because we love you, farmers. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you are in a good mood, aren't you? Right, yeah, welcome back, Andrew. Right, cheers, lads. Cheers. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they are released. And follow us on Twitter. We are at Dewing Grain. Call Dewing Grain on 01263 731550 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by East Coast Design Studio in Norwich.